very weird here. What is it? Earthquake! No worse! Lawnmower! Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Today we are going to be talking through the late 80s family adventure classic, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Mid-Moranis. Mid-Moranis. Mid-1989. June 23, this came out. Budget of 18 mil. Gross of $222 million. Say that again. $222 million. Which was apparently a bit of a surprise to the studio. Which studio? Disney. Disney. Good people. Yeah. yeah apparently an unexpected hit. Uh, the highest <laughs> grossing live action Disney film ever released at that point. Live action. I had to Google live action during the week, by the way. <laughs> I've heard you say it all the time. And I just didn't really. I'm like. What do you mean it's live? It's live act, it's action, and it's live. I get it, but is it live? Like live sport? No. <laughs> I mean, live sport is live action. Why don't they just it's call a it- sub-genre. Why don't they just call it non-animated? Rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> deceptive. <laughs> deceptive. It's not live. Just re- using real people and actors <laughs> in a movie. Uh, Greg's, Greg's got a bee in his bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I got a little top ten because it's a new year for us. You wanna you wanna take a stab? <laughs> see if you can hit any of these Man, items. This is a reoccurring part of our program. I should prep better. Theoretically we'll get better over time. There's only a finite amount of years we're gonna be looking at. But this okay. is a freshy. Nineteen Die Hard. <laughs> uh, short circuit. No. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Okay, there we go. All right, I'm gonna go better from here. Nineteen eighty nine. Batman. Yes. Yes. Came out the same weekend. Oh. So they say, I don't know how true this is, they say that Batman actually helped the success of Honey, Ash, the Kids because families that couldn't get into Batman yeah. would then go see. The old spillover. Yeah. But is that a thing? I, I, I assume so. It Maybe when something's that massive and it's, I guess it's pre-internet, you don't know if something's sold out, I guess. So you might go there. You turn up. This was pre-internet, pre-booking. Actually, yeah, now think that you mentioned that, I think that's why I saw Mario Brothers, because Jurassic Park was out and that was sold out, and I saw Mario Brothers. There you go. Um, Come on. Can you, got, can you give me a clue? I'll give you a clue. There's two more Rick Moranis movies. Okay. Ghostbusters. Uh, this is the year of Moranis. Ghostbusters 2. Yep. Rick Moranis is in Ghostbusters. Rick Moranis is in Ghostbusters 2. Rick it's more Mar- of a low-key. Oh, I can't think of another movie he's in. That's pretty bad, so isn't good, it? Just for the record... Ghostbusters was number seven. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, number five. There's what one more in the in? top ten. Oh, I know what was it. I know what was in that Ooh. year. Driving Miss Daisy. Boom. That is correct. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is good. I think of that okay. I think you've done pretty well. The third Moranis joint. Give me a, joint. a low pass. Yeah, I'll give you a low pass. What's the Moranis? Yeah, sorry. What's the Moranis movie? Parenthood. Oh, yeah, right. I would never have got that. Yeah, so rounding out the top 10, number two. So Batman, number one. Number two, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Number three, Lethal Weapon 2. Number four, Look Who's Talking. 
Um, number five, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Number six, Back to the Future Part Two. Ah, oh, mate. So this this is year of the are these franchise these are franchises. Lots, lots of franchises. Ghostbusters Part Two is number seven. Driving Miss Daisy number eight. Parenthood number nine. Dead Poet Society number ten. Ooh. Which we're going to come back to in a weird roundaboutsy way later captain, on. Captain, my captain. My captain, my captain, yes. So this is very much the year of Moranis. Because if you add those box offices up, adjust for inflation, <laughs> he had a box office that year of $1.1 billion. <laughs> wow. That's wow. Oh, my God. That's massive, right? Because these days, first of all, having three in the top ten is pretty rare. But um, and that volume, because usually to be in someone like The Rock will be in a billion-dollar movie, or that's massive, mm. massive. So do yeah. not forget the scale of Moranis. For a little dweeb, that's massive. I, got, I found a little clip of him in mid-Moranis mania that's pretty cool. Um, next guest, a very funny young man who was uh, one of the members of SCTV. And he can currently be seen in Ghostbusters 2 and uh, the new Disney film, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which I understand opens nationwide on Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Rick Moranis. Mr. Moranis. Hi, Rick. Nice to see you again. How are you? <laughs> now, Tom Brokaw is talking to this guy. This guy's going to be on nightly news tomorrow night. <laughs> doing sit -ups? You people must have been to McDonald's and gotten a cup with my face on it, I can see. Is there no, a McDonald's cup with your face yeah, on it? Yeah, yeah. This is Ghostbusters this 2. This is it. I'm, Tell me about, first of all, Ghostbusters 2. Now you. No, no, no. They, they made $30 million last week. We've right. got to talk about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, fine. But you, it's the same, you're the same guy you were in the original. You're in the Ghostbusters 2? Yeah. Yes. I'm you're Sigourney same. Weaver's neighbor. Now, did you get a, a good hunk of this one? Because oh, shoot! No, I didn't. What me? Well, are you kidding? I don't know. No, uh, no. But I got a big piece of honey. I shrunk the kid. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> so this guy, it's on Letterman to promote one movie. He's like, ah, oh, they already made thirty million dollars. Hey, what about Honey I Shrunk the Kids, which everyone kind of laughed at? He's got his face on McDonald's cups. Like this guy was cultural. Icon in 89. I would say Letterman did kind of boss him back straight into talking about yeah. Ghostbusters well, his, his, Probably his PR person or whatever was like, make sure you talk about the movie. Talk mm. about the movie. You gotta talk about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, Topical. Do you remember 89? Where were you? Did you do you think you saw this in 89? 89. Yeah, I would have. I, I suspect. I asked my mum about this during the week because I suspect that she would have taken me to see it. Um, but I inherited her poor memory, so neither of us could be too <laughs> sure. Look, 19, 1989, I think I was still fresh of the come down of Expo 88. <laughs> it was a big year for Brisbane. What? Expo 88? I don't know what that is. I'm a little bit older than you. Expo 88 was kind of this carnival weird thing that happened in Brisbane. Did you grow up in Brisbane? No, but oh. we drove up in the Tarago. It was big enough to demand. Yeah, yeah. It was a destination holiday. Is this like one of those World Fair? Things? It was. It was like the Knoxville World Fair. Ah, oh, did you find a tower full of wigs when you got there? I did get lost <laughs> at one point on a Singapore airline ride. That was anyway. I remember there was a, a high diving exhibition. I've always thought those things seem cool. They have them in movies, right? Like, it's pretty it's cool. like the World's Fair and like these. Oh, yeah. Like in the sixties or something. Yeah. Fifties or something. Mm, it's very dated concept. Yeah. But, now yeah. we have the internet, I guess. 
Was there jetpacks? Seems like there's always jetpacks. I mean, there was high divers. They were diving off, you know, in, like, you know. High things. Yeah, into the water. And Celebrate Good Times was playing. Remember that song? Yeah. Yeah, cool. So, you know, I was probably getting over that still. That was a big year for me. No, 89, I would have been all of seven years old. Tough I, act to follow, Moranis. Yeah. Were there any shrink rays at this World's Fair? I keep calling it, it wasn't the World's Fair. We can go with World's Fair. Expo 88 <laughs> rolls off the tongue pretty nicely too. <laughs> uh, and uh, I remember that the um, Olympics, that was Seoul 88, wasn't it? Yeah, I wasn't forming memories yet. <clears throat> I'm, yeah, this is that age we're gap. We're just at that, that where it's meaningful. That's probably my two memories of that <laughs> era. What about the movie itself? I don't specifically remember going to the movies to watch it, but I believe I did. Yeah, I'm similar. Yeah. I mean, I definitely saw it. The only things, I mean, I, I don't have any specific memories of that era because my brain was still a sort of a pile of goo, I guess. But what um, I remember of the movie before rewatching it, because I don't think I would have re- even really rewatched it since somewhere around then. Yeah. I just remember Moranis mania. Like, I just remember him just... It wasn't the conscious love for him, but it was more just like, oh, yeah, he's the guy that's in all the stuff I like. Yeah. Just that, that. Uh, and the cookie. I remember the cookie. Yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking like, oh, wow. yeah. That's living. Yeah, if only. Here I am stuck with regular-sized cookies like a idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's kind of all I remembered from it without, uh, before the rewatch. We, this is on the earlier spectrum of our – is this the earliest film we've dealt with? I believe it is. This yeah. is the first 80s film we've dealt with. Yeah, we're going deep. Good. I guess we're going to have a lot of these types of scenarios where we don't remember that, that year so much. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can, ex- okay. we can spend a few minutes explaining that we don't remember that. But I think every time we have a movie around 88, we should talk about Brisbane's World's Fair 88. Expo 88. <laughs> Expo well, 88. yeah. Does I don't, I don't want to swamp us with good material right now, but I, <laughs> I will. How about, yeah, I'll drip feed us. Anything else of historical significance to, to put uh, us back in that year, Greg? Yeah. I mean, the Berlin Wall fell down. That's not really a big deal. Ah. Um, jokes. Right. Taylor Swift was born and so was Harry Potter. The internet was invented and so was The Simpsons. It was a big year. Whoa, yeah. The Simpsons, yeah. Yeah, The Simpsons and the internet. That's still going. So is the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, mate, that's a lot. I think Game Boy might have been invented if we just want to fully boil over. but Game Boy, big year for Tetris. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have those games consoles at that age and you only had whatever game came free with it? Oh, like Alex Kidd. Yeah, Alex Kidd. <laughs> yeah. Tetris on Game Boy, Alex Kidd on Sega. Do you know I never had a Game Boy? Really? Yeah. I had a Game Boy, but I never had a Sega. I was a Nintendo kid. Yeah, I was a Sega guy. It's like Biggie and Tupac. You can't, you got to choose. Well, do you know, I used to, so what would happen was, I mean, Nintendo was generally better. But what would happen is I'd have a few friends with Nintendo. So I'd be like, all right, I'll get a Sega. So that way, between us. I think I had the opposite, yeah. We'll get the universe. We would have been friends. Yeah. But and I was always like, fuck, I've kind of drawn the short straw here. I've got Sonic and they've got fucking Super Mario. My boss battles on Alex Kidd at rock, paper, scissors. Oh. <laughs> 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 they were the noises. Uh, should we get into the movie? Yeah. Let's do it. As an inventor, Wayne Zielinski was used to striking out. Come on, drink. But now, it's a whole new ball game. The machine works. Do the kids know? Well, yeah, the kids know. That's great. No, it's not that great. Why? I shrunk the kids. 
What? And the Thompson kids, too. They're about this big. They're in the backyard. What? Threw them out with the trash. The adventure of their lives was right in their own backyard. Be careful. I'll tell you, their size. That backyard is like 10 miles. Huge insects. It's a jungle out there. From the Disney Studios starring Rick Moranis. Are you saying that that machine blew, blew up my kid? Oh, no. 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 Oh, if no, the machine no. had blown up the kids, there'd be pieces of them everywhere. Okay. Oh, Report the missing children. Oh, there must be some mistake. Ours are in the backyard. Right, honey? The box office smash comes to the Disney Channel this September. Ah! Daddy! Daddy! Honey, I shrunk the kids. I tell you what, there's a lot of chat about how the best bits of a movie in these day and age are often shown, like the funny bits of a movie are often shown in the trailer. I mean, that was the whole fucking movie in the trailer. Yeah. It it's glorious, was. but isn't it nice? Doesn't it, isn't it feel good? It does. That's the thing. If you don't have time to watch this movie, just watch that trailer. Correct. Get all the feels. Get all the feels. Make you feel, that was my first note. This movie felt like a warm hug. Mm, no. it's just, I think I just sat there like with a, with a soft smile. So innocent. Yeah. Pleasant. So wholesome. So wholesome. And Moranis is great in it. I think yeah. especially watching that Letterman clip. You realize, like, oh, he is acting because he doesn't sound like that when he's like a normal. He's a bit of, he's a bit like cocky and not nerdy. He did have a bit of sass, didn't he? he? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the special effects. Felt very tactile. Yeah. I'm trying to. I can't separate the nostalgia from that, but I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Not seeing just CGI goop. Yep. The cookie. I still love the cookie. Oh, the opening credits. I thought were really cool. The animated? Yes, the animate, like the cartoon. Yeah. yeah. They didn't do that anymore. I was my same observation. I haven't seen one of these for a while. Yeah. What else did they do, those in? Stop or my mum will shoot. City Slickers? Yes. Remember that? Yeah. That was uh, briefly a thing. It doesn't seem like Pink Panther. Mm. I remember the Pink Panther thinking. When it I was, was going to be a cartoon the yeah. whole time, and then it turned to this Peter Sellers. <laughs> yeah. And comedy you see it in the TV guide, and you're like, oh, sweet, like a cartoon. Yeah. That was always a letdown, wasn't it? And you thought the, that was your Channel 7 movie of the Saturday night? Yeah, yeah. the credits start and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. And it was not to be. It turned out to be, what, what do you call it, Greg? Live action. Live action. Instead of a cartoon. Mm, mm. I know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, without going too deep, those were my initial thoughts. Did you have any other first reactions when you watched it? Oh, mate, that's probably a fair summary. Yeah. Well, so this one had a pretty interesting story and it's how it came to be. So it was originally written by Stuart Gordon... Ed Naha and Brian Usner. I don't know if I said any of those names right. But what's interesting about these guys is they came from the world of over-the-top, campy, gruesome horror. All right, check out, check out this trailer. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you? brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the 6 to 12 minute barrier. I've conquered brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. But lately, they're getting out of hand. And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. 
What are you thinking? How do you feel? You? 15 cc's of reagent being administered. Once you wake up the dead, you've got a real mess on your hands. So you get the idea. A little yeah. different. I thought to, that was Rick Moranis. Well, on the surface, it seems quite different to Honey, Asher and the Kids, but you dig a little deeper. Mad scientist. He was a little weird. Conducting crazy experiments. So they kind of took their template that they had been taken to these horror movies. The three guys I mentioned, two of them had just had kids. And they were like, "We, our kids can't watch anything that we make. Why don't we make something they can watch? And so they wrote this script. Is that what Eddie Murphy did? And then never looked back. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> really yeah. So career, originally it? it was called Teeny Weenies. Ah. Was there a second name? There was. What was it? <laughs> Do you know it? I did read it. I can't yeah. remember what it was. The, back, the Big Backyard, I think. Yeah, something like that. Teeny Weenies was apparently a comic book in the New York Daily News when they were kids or something. Big Backyard was the other one. There may have been one more. Grounded was the other one. Grounded. Get it? What's the worst thing for a teen? <laughs> I'm grounded because they're in the ground. Yeah, that's a bit too <clears throat> clever. Yeah, it's a bit too clever, is it? Mm. So they set this thing up. They pitched it to Disney. Disney's like, this is pretty cool. Are you sure you guys can handle it? You're not going to kill these poor kids in some sadistic, gruesome way? And like, no, 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 this is for kids. This is for kids. It's going to be great. So Stuart Gordon was uh, set up to direct and then he got sick. Oh, and it didn't. I couldn't find much detail on that. It seems like nothing crazy. He didn't die or anything. He had like a cold. Yeah, he had a sick day, and they replaced him basically. Yeah. Um, bug. I'm sure it was more than a sick day, but he he talks about it like it's not a. He's not upset about it. Um, but then they brought in Joe Johnston. So Joe Johnston had come from the world of special effects. He'd worked on uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. He'd also worked on uh, Indy. Indiana yeah. Jones. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, so he was like an art director or whatever mm-hmm. at um, Industrial Light and Magic. So those are the guys that did all those special effects we used to love back in the day. Fun fact, on his time at Star Wars, he was a stormtrooper. Oh. Yeah, or have you ever wondered who is in those uh, white suits? But I feel like anyone can say Correct. That. <laughs> Correct. You tell Bruce that. Hey, Bruce, I was a stormtrooper. That's your old man, dear. <laughs> That's your old man. <laughs> Prove it's not. <laughs> yeah. You know, he also wrote a Star Wars book? I like read. In canon. It, oh, they were pretty loosey-goosey with it in those days, yeah, hey? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's apparently, it's in, it follows Return of the Jedi or something. It's called The Adventures of Tebow, A Tale of Magic and Suspense. He had a thing for wordy titles, it seems. <laughs> well, yeah, they, land, they ended up landing on Honey, Usher and the Kids just from a, a line of dialogue in the movie. But I like it. I think that works pretty good. So the other working title they had was The Contrabulous Fabtraptions of Professor Horatio Huffnagel. Wait, for real? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is that Troy McClure? It's Troy McClure. You know when he's starting his new movie and they've gone, (laughs) then his new upcoming movie is called The Contrabulous Fabtraption of Professor Horatio Huffnagel. Do we think it's a hit? It might just be. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Well, Joe Johnston went on to some pretty decent things. Some of these guys we look at in these movies, they kind of just disappear. This guy, mm. not so much. Well, Joe- he, yeah, because yeah, there's some big ones in there, right? Yeah. Rocketeer. Well, I was going to start with that one, but apparently well, I've never seen Rocketeer, but it's one of those ones people I have, say. I have seen it. you got to see Rocketeer. Well, I watched it. I, 
I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I didn't like watching period shit. Yeah. That's old. Yeah. And Rocketeer is period old. shit. Yeah. It's kind of a, it, you know what? It, cause it's, it's funny that he did Captain America. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Because it's the same shit. Like it's that same era. Oh, that's a good point. It's, it's kind of like how the guy that did Incredibles, what's his name again? Fuck. Uh, he always does that too because he did the Iron Giant. Mm. He did Tomorrowland. They they grew up then. They went to the World's Fair. They yeah. saw high divers and jetpacks, and that's Correct. the era they want. Yeah, and that's yeah. They recreate those memories. I feel uh, ignorant that I can't remember his name, but um, whatever. Come at me, nerds. Yeah. Um, what else did he do? Jurassic Park three. Yep. Captain America, as you said. They're all the ones I had listed, but he had quite a few. Jumanji. Oh, Jumanji. That's what I was going to say, the irony, because I feel like Jumanji was the first, it was sort of a tipping point for CGI when it shouldn't have been, because mm. we were all like, why do the monkeys have purple mouths? Like, it didn't look real. Yeah. I think it was the first where it became disjointed, where they're like, oh, that was yeah, kind of shitty. it was shitty. like CGI Uncanny Valley before it was Uncanny Valley. Yeah, and it, it didn't look properly, like, integrated into the environment. Yep, and correct. like It just looked gooey, and the it was lighting scary. was weird. I like the basis. movie, but... Yeah, it doesn't rate that well on Rotten Tomatoes. I was really surprised. It's probably I one of those ones that's technically not great, but we just saw it at the right time, maybe. Maybe. All right, so as these things go, you bring in a new boss, what happens? He wants to change things a little. He wants to tighten some screws, things break a few start things. start looking a little different around yeah, here. Yeah, things going to change around here. Yeah. Uh, I assume he talks like that. Mm. So, Well, he does like these old-time movies. Uh, well, there's mixed messages on exactly what went down, but basically some sources say, basically they brought in this new writer, a man by the name of Tom Shulman, and he actually wrote the number 10 film of the year from box office point of view, which was... Parenthood. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was number nine. Oh. Oh, Captain, my captain. Dead Poet Society. This guy wrote Dead Poet Society oh. and he's become hot shit. So this guy says, hey, come rewrite my shit. It's a very particular movie, though. It's it's a weird mix. I guess it's one of those studio things, maybe. Was that Disney? And it's like, now he's just in the system. And they're like, hey, you work for us now, buddy. Fix this script. Wow. It seemed a bit like that. But basically, he gets pulled in. He was told to rewrite it from a drama to a comedy in two weeks. Sounds like it was always a comedy. So I guess he was just in there to sharpen things up or something. But he did make a few significant changes. Did he change it from an enlarge array? (laughs) To a shrink ray? Yeah. He made a, he wrote a prequel to Honey, I Blew Up the Kid <laughs> instead. He invented the prequel. Anyway, big movie for practical effects. Like I said, industrial light and magic before there was uh, all the CGI business. So with big props and yeah. to the point where they that neighborhood they shoot in, that was actually in Mexico and they built the whole, all the houses. A lot, yeah. I don't know what was wrong with a regular street, but I guess maybe it's cheap to shoot in mexico or something i'm not really sure but we're gonna i'm I'm gonna go pretty hardcore into special effects stuff later so i'll save that are you Uh, i've got a rant i gotta be in my bonnet bonnet. (laughs) all right last little bit of interesting tidbits in terms of uh this the crafting of this picture do you know who this role moranis's role was originally written for i do do. i can see it in your face i do you can see it in my in my eyes Michael Douglas. What? <laughs> he would be so cranky. Chevy Chase. That's actually an interesting point, though. He went on to be Ant-Man, the older Ant-Man. 
Michael Douglas, Shrinky. Yeah. Is yeah. that like a? Did you do that on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chevy Chase. Chevy, Chevy Chase. Chase. He couldn't do it. He had Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Next in line. The most seasonal film of all time. Next in line. Yeah. Was his good buddy, Mr. John Goodman Candy? <laughs> John Candy. Was it John Candy? It was John it? Candy. John Candy. Good mate of Miranda said, you know what? I can't do it, but you should get this guy. He's great. I worked with him on SCTV and I worked with him on Little Shop of Horrors Little and Shop I worked with him on Spaceballs. Spaceballs. I some Spaceballs. He said, I'm, he also said, I'm more of an uncle than a dad. Uh, what kind of an uncle? Uncle Buck. Yeah. There yeah, it is. You like that? Same year. Yeah, busy. He's closing I might the have made deal. that up. So he passes it over. I said, check out my mate Rick. He'd be perfect for this role. Mm. What did, where was Rick at? So Career Rick was wise. from Canada, eh? Yep. Canadian. Uh, Ontario. So he was on a TV show called SCTV, which is Second City, which is the improv group in the US. I guess there's one in Canada as is well. the stand-up equivalent? Uh, improv. So it's like UCB. Yeah, so I said stand-up citizen. Oh, upright upright citizen. citizen. I hear you. I hear you. So hear. Tristan's a member, so like... I did one course there. It's like the equivalent of doing like four weeks of karate. Or sitting in at least two crowds of Inside the Actors Studio. That's probably, yeah, exactly it. Anyway, I digress. He's from Canada, eh? And um, SCTV was, I guess, a pretty big show. This was in 1983. And there was some... You know how in Australia there's all these laws, like on ABC, right? They have to have a certain amount of Australian content. So there was something in the channel they were on with SCTV that there had to be something in the show that was uniquely Canadian. And so he went all in on that and made some skit about these stereotypical stereotypical yep. Canadian guys. Drinking <clears throat> maple syrup. Basically. I, I, I never watched it, but that went on to evolve to become the movie Strange Brew. It became a massive hit, and that was his first movie with John Candy. Was it, was it with John Candy? So that was his big break. And then yep. over the next five years from there, he made eight movies in five years, and they were massive. Ghostbusters, Brewster's Millions, oh, Little Shop Brewster's of Horrors, Spaceballs. Um, this was all before the trifecta of 89. Yeah. Massive. Massive. All right. Well, let's, why don't we get into the details? Talk us through it, Greg. Yeah. All right. We're going to go, we're going to the plot. So we're introduced to a typical 80s family neighborhood setup, I guess. Um, so we see family A. There's a few stereotypes going on, I would say, <laughs> on both sides of the fence, the literal fence of the of the mm. neighbors' homes. Mm. House A, you've got the you know the scientific goobers. House B, you've got the red blooded MAGA hat wearing, <laughs> fishing hunting baseballers, the Selinskis <laughs> and the Thompsons are their names. So the Selinski house. The household seems fairly loose. You've got a 90, nerdy Poindexter kid in a lab coat. You've got what appears to be like the hot old Good assist- casting, that kid. Oh. Mini Moranis. Yeah, big time. Uh, you know, you know uh, the sister's in the kitchen doing a half-assed job prepping breakfast, you know, on the, on the old landline, home mm. phone, playing with the cord, chatting about boys. The dogs seem pretty smart, Cork. He's on top of his game. He's brought in the paper. I'm a fan. Yeah, he's pretty I'm much running this house at this point. I love the wacky inventions in the house that you just kind of see. The, yeah, the, yeah, the old cliched bad inventions like the burnt toast. Love it. Love it. And you got the quirky music over the top. It's, mm. it's setting a nice scene. Then we're finally introduced to a parent who's the dad 
Wayne Selinsky. He seems to be some kind of scientist. We can tell that based on his lab coat. <laughs> and the fact that he's up in the attic tinkering away on some kind of machine. So the machine is a ray gun of sorts. He's trying kind of to debigulator. Yeah, it's a debigulator. He's pointing it at an apple. The apple explodes. He's just blowing shit up. But he's not trying to do that. Like he's upset with how it's going. Not a good result. He's pretty upset. I mean, he's also ignoring the fact that downstairs is a fucking shambles. Like the house is not in a good state. It's chaos. It's chaos. You, you know, I'm getting a sense at this point he's not a great dad because his little son, who obviously idolizes him. Yeah. He's dressed up like his dad, and he's there with a mini version of what his dad's making. Yeah. Going, dad, check this out. I blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, not now. I'm trying to do something. Oh, I was unimpressed. I'm like, you should give your son some attention. Yeah. Where's your wife? She wasn't happy, and rightly so, it seems. She'd slept the night before at her mum and dad's. She'd left. The kids know, don't they? The they kids know something's know. up. They always know. They feel it in their heart. They always know. So, you know, he's doing this research. I don't know. Is he self-funding this research? Why is he doing this in the home as well? Like, <laughs> That's a good point. Shouldn't he be doing this in, a, in the safety of a lab with other scientists? Without children around? Without children in an area they can freely access? But then you don't have a movie, I guess. Yeah, true. But you're right. So next door we have the Maggers. <laughs> the Maggers, okay, the Thompsons. They're going on a fishing trip. They're red-blooded Americans. They, uh, they got two sons. The younger ones, he's like a cocky sort of sports lover. The older brother's like a bit of a softer touch. Dad's trying to get him into weightlifting and sports. Sports. He's too small. Yeah, he's too small. For f- he quit the football team. These are the conversations they're having. Bad yeah. parenting all around. There is, this is not a good neighborhood. The size of their children halfway through this film represented the attention they got. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to make a joke there, but I think I made a fact by mistake. Man, and like he's he's dissing on his own son because he thinks his son not manly enough. This whole movie was a metaphor. I shrunk the kids in my parenting. Emotionally. Then physically. Honey, I emotionally shrunk the kids. Doesn't quite, it's a little bit of a confusing. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the son's like, waits up my thing, Dad. And he's like, what is your thing, Russ? Boys. It's hard. That's kind of what he was thinking. Yeah. Is it boys? <laughs> the kid's like 15. You yeah. Know? Let him be. Let him be. So back <laughs> oh, to the plot. Oh, did you know? Ooh, go. Fun fact. Because it was all special effects, people couldn't get their head around what the scale or the size of these kids were. So they, on the script, they drew a little picture of like, this is the size of the kids. And that's it. That's my story. Did you? I found myself constantly doing this with my fingers to try and like. Is the scale is off, man. The scale is off. Like, Are this big? He's in a Cheerio now. Yeah. A second ago, he was. But I've never seen an ant bigger than a Cheerio. Yeah. Because the like, ant, he's huge. He rides the ant, and it's a baby ant. Yeah, yeah, well, apparently. But a baby ant is larvae. <laughs> <laughs> he's riding a larvae. For a smart kid, he's kind of stupid, if you ask me. Yeah. So Ron's baseballing around the backyard, being neglected, so he's playing baseball by himself. And he hits the ball over into the Selinsky's window, breaking... Classic Sandlot dilemma. Yeah. Breaking the window in the attic, not knowingly activating the ray gun. Wow. Wow. It, uh, it shrinks his thinking couch. He had a thinking couch out in the attic where he, was, yeah. where he did most of his thinking. So the Thompson kids go over to apologize. The older brother's like, we've got to go over and apologize. He's got a crush on the girl. There's a great awkward moment where he's been watching her dance from next door and then they go over next door and the young nerdy son takes up the baseball yeah. son. And so it's just the, the teenage girl and the teenage boy 
that doesn't want to do weights at the door. He's like, so you like dancing? Yeah, she's right. like yeah what you watch me he's like no yes <laughs> it's great good wholesome awkwardness he doesn't even do weights tristan he doesn't do weights you want to get dates you gotta do weights. weights the uh so they're you know they're courting anyway the two kids are upstairs just as they walk upstairs to fetch the ball the ray gun fires off and shrinks them wow and then the other two go up and go, where are I? Shrinks them too. So now they're all shrunk. Meanwhile, Dad is off at some conference pitching his idea to a bunch of scientists, and they're not buying it. Boo. They boo him. It's a real asshole The scientist. only thing that's shrinking here is this audience. That guy. That was pretty good line. You know he's driving home thinking like, nailed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he had a real moment. You he can did. tell. I like that guy. It was a good burn. Sometimes you got to use those. Yeah. So he comes home from work. He's heaps upset because he's had another day of adversity. He goes up to his attic, goes to sit down, falls over. He's like, oh, where's my couch gone? That's odd. My couch has just disappeared. Oh, there's a hole in the window. Oh, I'm not going to think too much of that, being a scientist and all. I'm just going to break up my machine because I'm so angry with the way the world is treating me. So then he busts up his machine. And this is a, this is a big plot hole. Oh, yeah. This guy's a messy fucker. So if you remember in the early scenes of the kitchen, it's a comp- the house is a complete pigsty. He's yeah. obviously a crazy scientist. He then sweeps up the mess casually, which includes the kids, and takes the bag out to the trash. Like in real life, as if he's going to clean that shit up. If he bashed up that machine out of anger, he's storming out of that attic. I'm not going to deal with that till at least Tuesday. Yeah. He would not even have a broom up there. I don't believe it. He would not. So next minute, the kids are in a bag at the back of the yard and then they've got to get back it's crazy man it's a jungle out there (laughs) essentially the next the next half of the movie is divided between the parents being worried trying to find the kids with kooky ways and the kids getting back yeah and that's where the fun is like obviously being a kid yeah the whole uh giant cookie when we talk through some of the obstacles what do they go through in the in the in the forest well they slide down a giant slippery slide to begin with there was a Lego brick. Yeah. I'm not doing these in order. There was the mud, the mouth to mouth resuscitation. In the mud? Oh, in yeah. The mud. There was a bee. There was a bee. Oh, that bee was cool. How that was actually, it was pretty handy that they ended up landing back with the rest of the gang. Yeah, it was convenient. They went for the, a uh, the bee. The ant, though. Anti. How about Anti, though? Oh, what a hero. Anti, man. The anti hero. Ah. Oh. They stumbled across a little ant. Oh, the cookie first. Oh, the cookie first. Yeah. yeah, they find the cookie and it was delightful, wasn't Imagine it? how big the cookie would be. And the, oh, oh, they're all so happy. Big chunks of frosting. Yeah. Oh, man. And then I the ant shows up. Cookie. And they sort of fight him a little bit. And only the girl has the right amount of tenderness to win him over with a little bit of cookie. And like, wait, maybe we can win him over with love, not violence. Fast forward a little bit and we get to the dreaded scorpion attack. Now, this is where the scale... Well, first of all, the scale was a little bit whack with the kid. The kid's riding an ant when they're supposed to be a quarter of an inch tall, which is way bigger than an ant. It's a quarter of an inch? I can't remember, but it's bigger than an ant. Scorpion somehow is about the same size as an ant. But anyway, Auntie comes in. But hey, like we're we're from Australia. Mm, We are. Like we're pretty used to creepy crawlies, I guess. So spiders and things. Fucking scorpion? Do they have scorpions in their backyards over there? 
I'd be worried about a scorpion in my backyard if I was a full-size kid. Yeah, a scorpion. A scorpion. You don't need to be tiny to worry about a scorpion. That's crazy. But this heroic ant, man, it's beautiful. I mean, an ant's going to get fucked up by a scorpion. The sting. I felt the sting of, of anti slowly fading away. I mean, I've killed many ants in my time, consciously and unconsciously. Ooh. But, but uh, well, hey, well, you know, you're a kid and you're... Confessions. <laughs> I mean, that's what the Usher song was about, right? Killing ants. With a, mi- a magnifying glass. And other bugs. Yeah. Uh, this poor guy dies. It was a rewrite. Who was a rewrite? Anti lived in the original ending. Wow. Wow. So, original ending, well, original anti ending, to be confusing, was pro ant e. Anti lived and he got enlarged, but they had him like a pet, pet anti, like a donkey size ant. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think he walked in when he's trying to convince these asshole scientists that this is a real thing. And it was like, what? A giant ant? I guess it does work. Wow. And, um, <laughs> wow, wow. And yes, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool, but that, no, they decided that was not good enough. Ah. Oh. So, I mean, I guess, and then, and then I guess everyone gets rebigulated and we're good. Oh, Magadad's a bit of a hero. Yeah, he turns into a decent bloke, doesn't he? He volunteers. He had some love. His heart grew ten slices that day. Yeah, they proved that he was, he was, his heart rebigulated. Look, my faith in him rebigulated. I felt better about it. Yeah. And then they have a nice little scene at the end and they're happy families and the kids are safe. I get it. French class. Oh, that's right. I like that little zoom in, zoom out thing. Mm. Yeah, that was cool. I like the footsies. I mean, so that's the movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's wholesome fun. What do you think is uh, aged well, aged poorly? Like, how do you think it holds up? What's aged well? Family values. Yeah. You know what? It is refreshing. It's good, just good, honest family values. <laughs> yeah, agreed. You know, I liked it. They I came liked together it. in the end. They regulated adversity metaphorically. Parents were out there hustling together. Together, well, it brought the family back together. It brought the family back together. It tightened the unit. I, you know, in the individual family units and also across the fence. Across they the dined fence. with a giant turkey. Mending fences. He, he bigulated a turkey. At the That's end right. I forgot about that. To eat together. I mean, the cookie would be the first thing, surely. Well, they probably were just having a bit of chicken first. That's a fair point. You're very sensible, Greg. I couldn't separate what aged poorly versus great because I get that technically the special effects have aged. But it was a time capsule? Yeah, but also I like it. I, I liked it. I like to think it's not just nostalgia saying that. Like it was tactile and it was chunky and it was like had a sense of wonder about it. Like I remember, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna play a clip soon. But I remember this is the era of movies where watching the making of was just as exciting Ooh. as watching the movie. You're like, oh, how'd they do that? Oh, yeah, how they do it that? Taps into some childish, childish childhood. It's like a magic show because mm. you're like, how did they pull that off? And I was trying to think of like how, what, what is it about that? But I do think there's something that happens when your brain knows that it's not a computer, that you're just so much more engrossed. Everyone loves the new Mission Impossible movies because Tom Cruise is really doing this shit. You know what I mean? And it's like something subconscious, I think, that happens where you're like, knowing that that is real makes it so much more compelling. Yeah, the pendulum has swung a bit on all that, hasn't it? I'm hoping. I'm hoping. And this is what I'm about to rant about. I I miss it. I want some practical effects. I fucking hate... I, CGI has a role, but... I think there's a few ingredients that I've realized that maybe 
contribute to enjoyment of, I was going to say movies, but anything. We have digital watches, but we still like mechanical watches, right? There's something about the appreciation of how that got Craft. made and how do they even do that, the beauty of it. Another one I was thinking of, like, it more in the world of movies is like when something's based on a true story, it kind of changes the lens through which you're watching this movie, right? Mm. Well, that's why they, yeah, that's why they bring it up in text yeah. at the beginning. But I think it's this, it's this thing where it's like an appreciation for this meta layer of something, I guess. I don't know. Look, I want to talk about this from a couple of angles. But first, my, my, my macro statement here is that why can't CGI just be one format? You know, you've got digital watches, you've got analog watches. Why can't we have CGI-based movies and practical effects-based movies? Or, or I mean, they can be crossover mm-hmm. a little bit. But What do you mean? Give me, the, give me an example. I don't have an example because they don't Dumb exist. It. Okay, if you, dumb it if down you're, for me. All right, if I was making Ant-Man today... yeah. This is this is this is my pitch for a new Ant Man. I was going to say this for later in the rebootable area, but if if we're making an Ant Man sequel, this is what I would do: bring back Anti. Bring back Anti first of all. First and foremost, that goes without saying. Anti is back. <laughs> Secondly, we introduce time travel. Stay with me. Stay with me. Hear me out. <laughs> um, time traveling ants. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I like that's it. it. I like it. All right. It. I call it time traveling Ant Man. No, I say. I say. I say. Ant-Man goes back to the 90s, only uses the special effects available in the 90s, or let's say 89. I want to see Ant-Man shrunk down to a quarter of an inch, and I want all the special effects to be in the vein of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I think that would be a beautiful, amazing picture. Would it be akin to a DJ actually playing on... Well, kind of. I was decks. I was playing around with that idea too. That analogy of like, is it digital versus vinyl? But I think it's more of just the the holding the cookie and the pollen on the kid. And like, I know it's not totally real, but it's there and they're interacting and it's tactile. And I think that it, it taps into a different sensory experience. Yeah, kinda. And I think we all watch these things now, knowing that none of it's real, and there's no wondering how did the fuck did they do that. So I think they're the two layers. There's Mm, the layer of wonder that we have, but then there's the layer of innovation that they have. And I'm not saying that CGI is not innovative, but I do believe that innovation comes from constraint. And so you have constraints in 89 when you're like, how do we debigulate these kids? You you physically build big and you Uh build them and you do these crazy special effects. You build a bee that can fly and you do all these amazing really creative things that at the time you're watching you're like how the fuck did they do that you're watching this thing and you're enjoying the show as a narrative as a movie but part of your brain is also going how the fuck did they do that ow mm. what is this that's amazing that part i miss my example for this <laughs> we we're talking about video games before right coincidentally i didn't plant that seed but it worked out quite nicely for me to do a little throwback here i was a nintendo boy uh-huh. You weren't a Nintendo boy, but I'm sure you heard of a little fella called Mario. Mario. It's a me, Mario. So, do you know why Mario looks the way he looks? Yes. Because he's Italian. Because he's Italian. (laughs) (laughs) No, so basically, Mario was invented by this uh, video game royalty, Shigeru Miyamoto. So, he needed to create a protagonist for this Donkey Kong game. At that time, he wasn't called Mario, he was called Jumpman. Uh, Yeah, Jumpman. 
And so basically at that, that point in, uh, in video you. games graphics, he had only a very limited amount of pixels he could work with. I think it was 13 by 16 pixels. That was his constraint. That was his constraint. Drawing an accurate representation of hair whilst being distinct from eyes and eyebrows and hairline would not have been possible. So he gave Mario a hat. Why does he have a moustache? Because distinguishing facial features like a mouth would also be impossible. So you give this guy a moustache. You end up with this character, which is fucking random on the surface of it. He's a plumber who's Italian and has a big moustache. Like, if you had no constraints, that character would never have come to be. It just would have been some kid with a backwards hat. There's something beautiful that happens when a creative mind has to address a problem like that. When you have a complete... Yeah, problem solving. When you have, like, the open universe of you can do anything you want with CGI, you do everything you can, but maybe not everything you should. The crazy thing is, too, you like to think that all of our heroes from this era wouldn't change but they all have you got tim burton like remember all the magic of beetlejuice and all that stop motiony stuff and now it's all gobbledygook in uh, alice in wonderland and all that kind of thing spielberg like the subtlety of jaws is now the bullshitness of the bfg and the uh that vr movie bullshit zemeckis from back to the future and gump Whatever, there was some CGI in Gump that has aged poorly. But he's doing the Polar Express. Like, they're doing, they're going all into this shit. George Lucas, of all people, like, going from Star Wars, the originals, with all the the practical effects. He basically dawned this whole era of CGI. James Cameron, with all the physical, practical effects of Aliens and Terminator. And now is, like, basically making cartoons. This shit, I I don't want it anymore. Give me some real shit, you know? So, is it a... Like is, what, it still what, a, is it still a profession? I think it is because it is it is starting to come back. And what so, about like Pan's Labyrinth and that sort of? You hit the nail on the head, Greg. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. So there are a few advocates for yeah, this. Yeah. What's and his name? So the first yeah, one, Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. Yeah. He's got a lot to say yeah, about this. Yeah. So he says, "I feel like we're at a moment now where there's a loss of wonder." But uh-huh. he comes at it from two pronged. So he believes in practical effects, but he also feels like the lack of wonder is a result of people not even recognizing practical effects, attributing them to CGI instead. So it's like, okay. oh, yeah, but that's probably fake. So I think there's something in that too, which Being is a really good point. But he, makes, he, he says basically, I'm a dinosaur. I always try and build as much as I can. The more things you can make physical, the better the movie is. When we saw a huge car pile up in the Blues Brothers, we were wowed by it because we knew it was real and we thought, God, that's crazy. Now when we see a car pile up, we think, oh, yeah, CGI, that's, that's cool. Um, mm. He's got a real cool clip here where he talks about that. The, the thing with digital effects, you've heard many, many times people say digital effects now allow for anything a director can dream to become true. Yes, but the fine print for the audience says digital effects now allow the audience to think everything is digital bullshit. <laughs> and that, that is a tragedy because I can tell you I'm not doing green screen sets. I, I build everything. And because I wanted people to, to feel that they, they were watching a, a, an installation. You need to know that there were humans lathing every single piece of wood in that house and gluing it and painting five, six transparency layers on those walls. So I worry that this kind of shit is ruining our imagination, first and foremost, because 
when we watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids when we were kids, we thought it looked amazing. And not just because our brains were gooey, but you think of all those old movies, every single one. It was one, amazing. It was amazing. And so it's like our brains filled in the blanks or something, and our imagination just worked with it to create this magical experience. Now there's nothing for our imagination to do. It's all there on the screen. And um, there's a New York Magazine film critic. He he has a pretty good little spiel on this too. Uh, Bilge Ibiri is his name. I'm probably not saying that right. Um, this year, a giant mutant death pirate from uh, the other end of the galaxy came to Earth, fought our greatest superheroes, and then wiped out half the universe, and I barely blinked. Three years ago, an entire Eastern European city was raised into the sky and dropped back down to Earth by an evil or powerful sentient robot. Many of us just shrugged. It's not that VFX were bad. Often they were quite good, but they also felt curiously underwhelming. And I think there's like this intangible thing there. Yeah. It's like, what is it? You just don't feel it. I'm, I'm getting this. Yeah, yeah, like it technically looks better, but there's no weight to it. Yawn. It's, yeah. And they, and they kind of just on that, they've tried to just go, well, make it bigger. Do, do something crazier. There's always more stakes, right? And this is the like, problem. Like the Captain <clears throat> Avengers series are probably yeah, a pretty good because they always have to escalate the stakes. So when all of these things converge, you've got the superhero thing happening right now, plus CGI. There's always some big portal in the sky opening up and it's saved the world. Like there's no, it's all gobbledygook. So there's just no weight yeah. to any of this. Both, I, mean, I think storyline <clears throat> plays into that. It's, it's all related for sure, I reckon, but C, uh, no, CGI no, I used it this way doesn't help. Uh-huh. And... To really close the loop on this, Steve Spaz Williams um, and a few others, these were the guys that did a lot of the CGI on Terminator 2, Judgment Day. T2. 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 Know the lingo, man. (laughs) So they were pioneers of a lot of this and they have eaten their words and are like, we're not fans of special effects anymore. It's destroyed movie making. The viewer's imagination isn't given a job anymore. This is something I felt without realizing it. I think so, right? I, yeah. I didn't realize I felt it until watching this movie. And I'm yeah. like, what is it about this? Like, what is it? And I think it is that added layer of like, how they do that? How they do that? Make movies, make us think, how did they do that again? <laughs> like, put that on a hat. Megagiga. Make movies, make us think, how did they do that again? Because I've never felt that. I haven't felt that in ages. Maybe watching Tom Cruise run across a building in Dubai or something. But that's about it. <laughs> And as much as I hate to say it, I'm really, really having to eat my words here, Greg. I hate to say it. One of Hollywood's biggest advocates for all of this. <sighs> go, go on. Christopher Nolan. Ah! <laughs> He's big into practical effects. Like Inception, the hallway, that was all practical. Even in... Even in Interstellar, <laughs> even in Interstellar, what, they were in outer space. They were in outer space. No, he shrunk them down oh. real small. No, <laughs> <laughs> they were basically in these spaceship. They built spaceshipy things, and the stuff they saw outside the windows were, I guess, projections on the wall or something. So it wasn't CGI. They were so. I think his whole version of it is he wants people to react to physical things. So he's coming at it from kind of the craft point of view, like that. Yep. And I'm not a huge fan of his movies, but I respect. Fact. I respect. The craftsmanship of this. On my films, I try to shoot as much in camera as possible. Uh, on Interstellar, my last film, you know, for example, we didn't use any green screens. So when we were shooting inside a spaceship, we had views outside the windows. We, we produced all that material and we shot it and achieved the effect in camera. Uh, 
and when you're asked even the bit where Matthew McConaughey's tumbling through a sort of space-time continuum <laughs> that indeed is what he's doing <laughs> indeed we built a set for that and we enhanced it with visual effects and visual effects technology has been wonderful for enhancing those things and, and increasing the vocabulary so I think this is happening a bit but I mean, I love Marvel, but man, just give us some, make it a bit more grounded. Give us some giant pollen and cookies that kids, <laughs> maybe not that specifically, but you, you get what I'm saying here, right? I stand by my pitch for Ant-Man 3, by the way. Yeah, I do. That it. would be delightful, wouldn't it? I dig it. I think there's something really cool about that. Greg, we used to say the magic of cinema. We did. What happened to us? Magic is gone. Our imagination is gone. Make movies, make us think. How do they do that again? You could just go make movies wow again. Make movies wow again. Wow. So childhood actors. It's always a, a little where are they now opportunity. It's a danger zone, isn't it? Yeah. You've got two kids now, though. You would throw caution to the wind I have and maybe two put kids. one of them in there. Yeah, well, Bruce was going, my, old, my oldest son, my only son, he was going to be in, a, in, a, in an ad for one of my clients. Um... We work in advertising. They needed a baby just as he was born. <laughs> yeah, I got one well, of those. I got one of them. I sling him your way. But the timing ended up not panning out. But he was, that was going to be, he, oh, he's in a Lego ad. Oh, yeah, that's right. Still with his grandma, with his nanny. You know, he's basically Kit Child star, so I've got to keep an eye on him with the drugs. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you do any digging on our cast? No. It was pretty shallow. There was actually a sad one in there. Uh, so you might have come the boy the boy yeah mini moranis no oh which one um the guy who came along to mow the lawn oh really yeah so he's had a bit of a tragic fate so he did this he was in like punky remember punky brewster punky brewster yeah 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 he was in that he was in that recurring character type thing a few other bits and pieces he had like an injury and became addicted to prescription drugs, did a, like a, an armed robbery, got pinged, 13 years sentence, and then died of a heroin overdose in prison. Oh, Pretty hardcore, man. Yeah, shit. Pretty hardcore. So that was obviously a very tragic fate. The other, no one's really pushed that further ahead, have they? Like none of them, not even the parents. Like Rick Moranis, he had a terrible a left turn of fate, didn't he? Yeah. Tragically. So he lost his wife. She died. And that was kind of very much at the peak of his career, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Then I was like 92 or 93 or something. So, and then, yeah. Then he decided to move away from movies around 97, I think. So, 97. So, he had done, his big three was in 89, obviously. And then after that, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, I think was relatively big. Excuse the yeah. weak pun. Flintstones. That was one of the last ones, I think, right? It was 94, yeah. And then, I mean, I think that was pretty much, oh, Little Giants was the same year. And that was kind of it. And then basically, yeah, just decided I got to move away. I'm a single parent. I, I want to raise my kids. And that's that's the that's the extent of it that I know. I think he might have done. He went on to win some Grammys. Did he? He, he did some comedy albums, the Agoraphobic Cowboy, and then something something brisket and other recipes. I don't know. I like, like brisket. But he, yeah, he won a Grammy or was nominated for a Grammy. <clears throat> He's been invited to do many movies like the new Ghostbusters reboot, like to have a little cameo there. And he's like, why would I do that? <laughs> he seems pretty content. Like, what a ledge, taking care of this fam. Yeah. These kids are probably growing up now. 
Oh, he did do some voices. I think yeah, he did yeah. the Goldbergs. Oh, so that was re- that was really recent. I think he did yeah. uh, Spaceballs because Goldbergs is that Dark show Helmet. that's set in like the early late eighties or whatever. Mm. So I think he reprised his role for some scene in that. I think it's at the point now where he's open to acting and stuff again because I think his kids are old enough. Yeah. But I think he's just not doing it for the sake of doing it. He's just doing it if it's fun. Hey, I got my little one. Yeah. Mark Lawrence Taylor. Does that name mean anything to you? No. Yeah, no, it shouldn't. <laughs> um, so he's fishing buddy that he can't go fishing with. Oh, turns yeah. Up. He's also in inner space. It was about shrinking. Oh. He shrunk down and went into the human body. So Did they go into a little submarine? Yeah. They did? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I love this movie already. So that is a pointless little link. It's a good link. Do you have an MVP, Greg? I've been stalling on this. Uh, do I have an MVP? I think Cork. Is that the dog? Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I said anti and it was hard to choose. Maybe Nick as well. I don't know why. The little kid. I think I liked the little kid when I was a kid. The nerd? Yeah. Yeah, he was good. I think I liked him when I was a kid. I think As an adult, watching it, anti. I forgot all about that. Had you? Yeah, and I was like, oh. Yeah, it was pretty Because also that it? feeling like um, like when you watch Marley and Me and you realize, oh. Oh, don't you dare. Oh, okay. Or like when Greg watches Click, you know, it's one of those, it's a real tearjerker. Hey, but uh, but it's that moment where it becomes clear what Auntie's fate is before it actually happens. You're like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, all in all, rewatch, reboot, or bin? Uh, oh, I reckon there's room for reboot. You've sold me. I don't that. want to. Re- well, reboot in the right way. Yeah. Reboot. Don't don't make a CGI version of this. Yeah, it's disrespectful. Make a CGI version. It's disrespectful. Fuck with Tristan. <laughs> I want Christopher Nolan to make a CGI version. Apparently on Disney Plus they're <clears throat> going to make. Uh, it's one of those TV it's on shows. It's on the list, isn't it? Yeah, one of the TV yeah, it's shows. On the list for a reboot. Uh, I would definitely rewatch it. For I sure. want to see this in a cinema. Well, we can maybe arrange that. Would people be interested in that? We can find. If we out. could make that happen, if we could get. Honey, I shot the kids in a cinema in Sydney. If we could make that happen, let us know if you'd be interested. We may be able to do it. If we get enough groundswell, let's make movies, make us think how'd they do that again. Hmm. Um, what else? I've already pitched my reboot, which is more of a twist, which is the Ant-Man solution. Oh, I'll go a reboot. How about, honey, I shrunk the kids even smaller and they're just like little... Vapor. Ooh. Yeah. Honey, I, mean, I vaporized the kids. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's something in that, I think. See how I go there. Work with that. Yeah. Hard word. That's great. All right. Well, I think... I think that's a wrap. I think that's a wrap. So we've got our act together a little bit more since last time we recorded. And uh, we're on the Instagrams now. If you want to follow us and chat to us or DM us or whatever, make a request. Slide find on us. In. Slide, slide on, on into in. those DMs. Hit us on Instagram on yeah. Double Impact podcast.com <laughs> do you say dot .com for instagram you do don't you <laughs> all right, http instagram it's yes. all in the cloud um dm us hit us up if you want to see a movie if you want to hear about a movie yeah um let us, let us know. know if you got feedback on um greg's ability to cry on command watching click let us know if you don't want to see tristan tirade bring down a whole industry of hard-working cgi graphicists that's a good point too. I feel bad about that because yeah. they are very hardworking and they, they deserve are. more credit than they have. That's a whole. That's yeah. a topic for a whole other time. Yeah, we're gonna wrap it up there. That's a good point. Thank you for listening. No, wait. Good night.